Welcome to Convention Pulpit, Wesleyan Voices Past and Present, brought to you through the Ministry of Inner Church Holiness Convention. Visit our website for an entire library of great sermons and more information on this ministry, www.ihconvention.com. The sermon we are featuring today on the podcast is a bit different because it's actually a commencement address held at God's Bible School and College in 1978. The speaker that year was Dr. Leslie D. Wilcox, a brilliant mind, and I know you're going to enjoy this wonderful sermon that he titles, Where Are You Going? Keep passing it on and on. graduating class of 1978, families and friends. A little while ago you were handed, or maybe you found somewhere, a program for the evening. Maybe many of you have it in your hand already. Did you read what's on the front page? If not, just look at it now. Commencement 1978. Commencement. Most of our students have been looking forward to graduation, not commencement. For four years, they've been asking, well, what do I need to graduate? And especially the last year or two, they've been talking about, do I have all the subjects and do I have grades high enough so I can graduate? They've been thinking about graduation. Now we come and we hand them a program that says commencement. That must be a disappointment. They thought they were going to graduate. Now they're only told they're going to begin. Now that's not merely a confusion of terms. While that may sound a bit strange that for the same occasion, two names so much different should be used, that's not mere accident. Because all the way through life, there are times when we come to the attainment of a goal. Some step is taken. Some objective is reached. And we graduate. Oh, of course, you don't always call it graduation. Sometimes you have a different name for it. But again and again, all through life, there are times when we reach a goal. And something has been accomplished, something done. But always... And I use that word always, advisedly, I believe I am correct in saying always through life. Every step is only leading to another step. And when you've graduated, you commence something new. Now, in a lesser way, that's true all the way through life. Of course, there are not always these special occasions when you reach a, a goal, a, 
but again and again there are goals that are reached. But after every goal, there is something more to reach. In other words, the goal, the graduation, is not a stopping place. It is a starting place. And from here, we go on. Or at least we ought to, we ought to go on. I believe that will be true, clear down to the very last graduation that God gives us when we come to step out of the kindergarten phase of life. We've been living down here, and God ushers us into a grand commencement for a glorious eternity. So I think the pattern holds all the way through life. Not only here on this occasion when these young people are graduating and then all of a sudden they're beginning again, but I think it will hold all the way through life. Not only is this a pattern of life, I think it's also a true scriptural pattern. For we find again and again in the Word of God when there is a look backward. Where have we come from? What has happened? How did we get here? And then there's a look forward. I'm glad we don't stop just simply with what's been done, with what's in the past. But there is a forward look. Let me cite for you just a couple of examples from the Word of God that show this look both ways. Back in the Old Testament, there was a man who, when a glorious victory had been won because he had obeyed the Lord, he wanted to celebrate that victory, and he said, Hitherto hath the Lord helped us up until this moment. That was a victory, graduation of a sort, perhaps. I think of another man. You'll find him over in the New Testament. And he was coming to quite a different kind of circumstance in his life. But he said, even though he was facing the executioner's block, henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. So you'll find in the Word a backward look, what has been done, a forward look, what lies before us. Paul himself, the great apostle in that third chapter of Philippians, talks about those two facts, the fact of what has been done, what has been reached, and what there still remains to reach. For he says, and along about the 10th verse, in that third chapter of Philippians, not as though I had attained. In other words, there is something more to be done. And yet a few verses later he says, where do we have attained? So for him, there also was the same kind of a situation. Something has been reached. An attainment has been accomplished. But this is not the end. There is something more. There is something beyond this. So I would like to speak to the graduating class of 1978. Uh, I'd like to speak to you tonight, all of us, about this matter of a commencement for God. And I would like to put it this way. Where are you going? Now the future doesn't just merely come to us by accident. If you think about where am I going, you may say, well, I don't know. I don't know what the future holds for me. No, no one else does as far as the details are concerned. But you can know what kind of life that future holds for you. You can yourself decide 
whether we live for God or whether we live for self. Whether you'll waste it just merely for the passing fancies of life or whether you'll invest it for the eternal realities that will never pass away. That decision is up to you. It is not a matter of chance. It is not a haphazard affair. It's a matter that you decide yourself. When we come to face this matter of where are we going, what does the future hold for us, what kind of a life is beginning now for me, not only for these graduates beginning now at commencement 1978, but for all of us, where we stand to the point where we have come, what kind of a life is beginning for me? What kind of a commencement is it? The Bible has a great deal to say about the great underlying principles that govern this matter of what our future will be. Where are you going? What's before you in destiny? Again and again you may find this theme wrought out in the Word of God. Perhaps there is no place any more outstanding than that great gallery of God's heroes, which we call the faith chapter, the 11th chapter of the book of Hebrews. All the way through that chapter, he looks at men and women who were great, great from God's sight, not always from man's sight. Sometimes they were despised, and sometimes they were persecuted, and sometimes they were slain, and other things happened to them. But in God's sight, they are worthy of a place in his great picture gallery of that 11th chapter of the book of Hebrews. And examining those men and those women, he decided there were certain principles which made them successful for God so that they went somewhere and did something for him. That principle, of course, he calls faith. And all the way through that chapter, he picks up incident after incident out of the biographies of these men and women and declares that there were certain things faith led them to do. Now we could just almost search at random, maybe hardly even search, just pick out at random from that 11th chapter of Hebrews outstanding statements that tell us about the principles that will decide what life shall be. Principles that will answer the question, where are you going? Let me just pick up a couple of them. One man has his biography recorded and it said concerning them that he looked for a city that hath foundations whose builder and maker is God. Now you Bible students know that's Abraham. That he was willing to dwell in tents pitched here and there and somewhere else. Here today, gone tomorrow. On the move, no settled resting place because he looked for something that was permanent. He looked for a city that hath foundations whose builder and maker is God. We may move down through the chapter a little bit farther. We may find another man described and it said concerning him that he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. Of course, you recognize that's Moses. Moses, the man who made such momentous choices. Moses, the man who turned down and refused so many things because he chose to cast in his lot with God's people. The great underlying principle that made him make those choices and renounce those things that the world had to offer was 
he had respect under the recompense of the reward. He looked ahead. He said, will this pay off or will it not pay off? That's a good question to ask. The thing you're doing, the thing you're living for now, the plans you have for tomorrow and for next week, will it pay off? Some things will pay off now, next week, next month, next year, but will they pay off out yonder? When finally we come to the last graduation, we step over the line of worlds to another commencement. Will it pay off then or not? So as we look at this matter of where are you going, I want us to look at certain things concerning it. There, first of all, I'd like to talk to you about destination. And if you're ever going to make the right destination, there are going to have to be again and again some decisions. And in the two passages of Scripture that I have called to your attention from the 11th chapter of Hebrews, both of those principles are at play. Both of those men and all the rest of the men in the 11th chapter of Hebrews had a destination. And again and again when they met the problems of life, there was a decision that they had to make. But they made that decision in the light of eternity. Well, I'm asking you the question, where are you going? Now I know when we're faced with life today, there is such a complexity of possibilities. There's so many things one could do. There's so many different trades, businesses, occupations that you might turn your life to. And they would be of value, they would be of interest as far as the world is concerned. Others perhaps uh, might not be of such value. But as you look around you, there's such a wide complexity of different ways a young person or an older person can take. But instead of looking at the complexity of it, there's so many different things we could do. Let's boil them down a bit if we can. I think we can reduce them to two classes. You can make your choice of what your life will be. Not whether you'll be a carpenter or a railroad engineer whether you'll be a school teacher or whether you'll be a nurse, that's not what I'm talking about. You could be either one of those and fall in either one of the classes I'm going to talk about. But after all, the great basic decisions that these young people will make and you will make and you are making is the choice between that which is passing and that which is permanent. That which is here now, gone so soon, and that which will be permanent. Which would you rather have? Something that's valuable, enjoyable, brings great pleasure now, but it'll only be a few days till it fades away and is gone forever. Or would you rather have something that'll last and endure and still be there? Trouble may come, uncertainties may come, Difficulties may upset a lot of your plans, but you can have that that's permanent, not that, that, not that which is passing. Or we may put the contrast in another way. You can have the temporary. That, that means just for a little while, the things that don't last very long. Or you can have that that's timeless. When the last calendar has been turned and the last clock has stopped ticking, you can have, still have something that lasts on forever and ever. Or we can put it another way. Which do you want? 
If you want the transient, that word transient means that which is just passing by, flitting past, gone so soon. Or do you want the eternal? That that will last on and on and on and on for all eternity, past all our ability to measure. Well, you can have your choice. Sad to say many, many people are choosing the temporary and the transient and are letting the eternal and the permanent slip through their fingers as though it were worth nothing whatsoever. I hope that every one of these young people, and I hope that you too, will make your choices in whatever occupation of life you may, you may be engaged but in that occupation, you may make your choice for that that's eternal and not for that which is temporary. There runs across the middle of the state of Ohio a highway. I used to travel it a great deal, a little farther south. Highway, U.S. Highway number 21. I traveled it from Ohio down into the Carolinas again and again back some years ago. I haven't traveled it very much in recent years. We have faster methods of going, you know. Uh, we have interstates now, and you can get there in half the time. Uh, but back in the days when I used to travel U.S. Highway number 21, uh, they tell me that part of it has been relocated or rebuilt, uh, so maybe the feature I'm going to describe is no longer there. But that highway crosses the river coming down from Toledo and Columbus at Portsmouth, goes across the eastern end of Kentucky, crosses the western tip of Virginia, goes across the corner of Tennessee, winds around amongst the Blue Ridge Mountains, and finally goes to Atlanta, Georgia. On south somewhere, I've never followed it south of Atlanta. But on, in the days when we used to drive back and forth, there's, there was a place in the western tip of, of uh, the state of Virginia, somewhere near Norton, Virginia, where there was a scenic attraction. It was advertised down the road a long ways before you ever got there. You saw signs advertising the natural tunnel, advertising some great cliff, and a sign that said, the chasm of eternity. I've been intrigued by that sign time after time. If you go south, you see it. If you come north, you see it, or you used to. I never have gone to see it. The reason is they charge to get in. And there are reasons why I like free things rather than things that cost. Uh, you can guess what they are. But I've never gone to see. But I've used my imagination. What would the chasm of eternity be like? It must be standing on the brink of a precipice. Uh, and you can't see the bottom. Down there, out of sight, somewhere. You can throw a rock over and finally you'll hear a dull thud. It's reached the bottom, but out of sight. And the advertisers thought that that would be a good way to advertise the cliff by calling it the chasm of eternity. Again and again, as I've drawn, driven along that highway, I've thought about a, a lot of people who are coming to the end of life and will only be a chasm, only be a leaping off place, out into the blind dark, out where they do not know. Is that what the end of life will be like to you? It doesn't have to be if you'll make the right choices now. You know, a day can close in two different ways. 
We enjoy the beautiful sunset in the west, and the sky is painted with all the artistry of light, which God can give it. We love a, a sunset, a beautiful sunset. But there are days that do not close with a sunset. They only are a nightfall. And the shadows gather around, and the mist gets thicker, and it gets darker and darker. Lives are like that. Some lives close with a glorious sunset. Some will only be nightfall. Which would it be for you? Would it be sunset or nightfall? You say, well, what a strange thing to talk about on commencement night for a graduation service. Yes, I'll admit it may be a strange thing. But listen, we'll never reach the destination we want to reach unless we take attention to the beginning. The way we start. Commencement night. This occasion when you step out into a new walk of life. If you want the end to be what you'd like to have it be, then the beginning now, the choice you make here at this time, must be the right one. You know as well as I do that you can't go out here and just go at random onto any one of these interchanges on the expressway and uh, get where you want to, you have to pick the right interchange in the right direction. We had somebody, I don't know whether this happened to anybody here tonight, uh, but a few years ago somebody came here and they said, well, we couldn't find this place. We drove into Kentucky seven times before we could find God's Bible school. <laughs> a lot of people like that. Uh, always off on the wrong direction somewhere. But if you want to end up right, you've got to make the right choice to begin with. Uh, You've got to find the right entrance ramp and the right direction to go. That's true in life. Jesus knew it very well. And he said there is a narrow way that leads to life. There's a broad way that leads to death. Destination, yes, there's destination there. But that destination is decided by the choice you make now. The narrow way or the broad way. Which will you choose? The narrow way or the broad way. You can't choose the wrong entrance and expect the right destination. Another very important thing about this matter of choices of destination is that you don't have the chance to do it over again. Now, I do not mean that a life cannot change. But when life is lived, you can't go back and start over. Did you ever hear anybody, older people, say, if I were young again? Well, the very fact they say if I were young again shows they know they can't go back there and start again. If I were young again, I would do so and so. If you're ever going to reach that destination, you've got to make the right choice. For after all, we only pass this way one time. There's a bit of poetry written by John Oxenham that I think... Uh, shows this matter very, very keenly, very beautiful lines of poetry. He says to us that, but once we pass this way, and then the silent door swings on its hinges, opens, closes, and no more we pass this way. And then he closes his verse by saying, 
for no man travels twice. The great highway that leads from darkness up to light through night today. You have one chance. You can't come back and live life over again. That's the reason why it's so important now. At commencement season, young people, when you're stepping out from this stage of your experience into another stage of, of your experience, that you make the right choices as far as destination is concerned. This whole matter becomes very, very important when we realize that God made man for eternity. He didn't make him just simply to live here a little while, pleasing himself, frittering up the opportunities, wasting the chances that came to him, but he made him for eternity. Look within. Look at that human character that God gave you. Those powers of choice. Those moral capabilities of right and wrong. That reason that God endowed you with. That voice of conscience speaking within. Do you think God put that there just simply to waste in a life indulged in sin for a little while? Oh no. God has put within you something that's akin to himself. It says in Genesis that God made man in his own image. And those powers that you possess that I just named are a part of that natural image of God with which God endowed every man. The very fact he made you that way shows us that he made you for himself. Not for you to waste not for you to live selfishly with only yourself in mind, but to live for him. Another reason why we see uh, that this choice of that that is permanent and eternal is so important uh, is because God has planted in every heart a desire for something beyond this life. Back in the book of Ecclesiastes, there's a statement which uh, in another version is rendered this way. God has put in their hearts the desire for eternity. That's true. I believe every human being has a desire for something past this life. You see somebody who has come down nearly to the close. Their life has been lived all for self. And again and again, if they don't say it out loud, they'll wish, Oh, if I only had a little more time. If I only had some more opportunity. If I only had another chance. For you see, God's put the desire of eternity in men's hearts. Because that's true. Because God, God made you for eternity. God's put the desire for eternity in your heart. It's exceedingly important that you make sure that you make the right kind of choice as far as destination is concerned. The second thing we need to notice tonight from those principles that we observed at the beginning, is the matter of decisions. Well, there's one decision when we decide on what that destination shall be. But just one decision doesn't always close the matter. Again and again and again through life, we're faced with alternatives. We're faced with the necessity of choice. We must do this or this. We can't do both this and this. We must go one way or the other. So we have to make decisions. Again and again, there are decisions that have to be made. And many, many times, those decisions bear on this matter of destination. Where 
is life leading? Where are you going? What's the ultimate goal and the final result out there? What are you living for? Are you living just simply for this life gone so soon? Or are you like the man of old who caught a glimpse of a city? Or the other man who made his decisions because he had respect under God's payday. He looked ahead and he saw the recompense of the reward. He said, I can endure any kind of hardship. I can give up all this world's pleasures and all of his treasures and everything this world has to offer if I can only have God's approval at the end. If I can finally receive that recompense of the reward which he has for those who obey him. Now actually, of course... You'll be faced again and again by things that will attempt to pull you off from that eternal destination. There will be a lot of false direction signs. The world and the devil are busy erecting false direction signs. You can go this way. It won't hurt. It'll be all right. Why not do this? Until a lot of people get confused and they they do not know which way to go. There are a lot of false direction signs. Then there are a lot of pressures that are brought to bear. The pressure of our fellow men. The pressure of what people think. Pressure of what will they say if I do thus and so. Again, there are a lot of counterfeit values. I've been trying to stress for you tonight the importance of eternal values. There are a lot of counterfeit values. Look valuable, look wonderful. They've got some people deceived until they're living their whole life for these short-term values and are forgetting the long-term values. We might just take a moment to glance at some of those things that would pull us aside. We cannot take time to look at them in, in great detail. But let us notice a few of these things that would pull us aside and make us make the wrong decisions and get us off the road that would lead to that eternal destination. First of all, we will find that all around us there are passing pleasures. One man I read about from the book of Hebrews, Moses, who had his eye on that final reward, the recompense of the reward. It is said concerning him that he chose to suffer affliction with the people of God rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Now please notice. Pleasures, yes. But he said no to those pleasures because he could see through them and saw that they were only short-lived. They didn't last very long. Pleasures for a season. Troubles many, many people today who can see the pleasures, but they never look far enough to see how long the pleasure lasts. Well, you can have pleasures for a season if you want to. They're still available. They were available in Moses' day. They're still available in our day. You can have them if you want them. They are some of the things that would pull us away until we make the wrong decision and miss the final destination. Again, there's not only passing pleasure. Oftentimes it's a matter of present convenience. The easiest thing. Oh, I know. If you have to make a decision that costs, it demands some trouble. It demands some 
demands some hard work, demands more attention and more diligence, perhaps, than we want to give it. So it's so much easier just to take the easy way and decide out of convenience. I'm afraid there are a great many lives that are being decided just simply out of convenience. Well, the easiest thing to do tonight, and then the easiest thing to do tomorrow morning, and the easiest thing to do tomorrow night, and the easiest thing to do next week, and the easiest thing to do next month, and all their life is filled up with just doing the easiest thing. Well, you never get anywhere that's worthwhile just making choices on that basis. Again, there are the pressures that we will find exerted from a great many different sources. There's the powerful passions of sin. We live in a world that's under the sway of those powerful passions of sin. And we see all about us in society the corruption and the degradation that's been brought about by those powerful passions of sin. Even though we've attended a Bible school, and even though we've been acquainted with a wholeness atmosphere, don't try to deceive yourself into thinking that you're exempt and you'll never face a temptation along that line. They can't get hold of you. Back in old Greek mythology, there was a certain woman, beautiful woman, who'd entice sailors to her island. And then she had the power of enchanting them and turning them into beasts. And the men who came her way were turned into ravening wolves or grunting hogs, more or less according to the character that they'd already had when she first saw them. Well, there are passions that will turn men and women into mere beasts if you aren't careful. And then, of course, there's always the pressure of what other people think, the pressure of popularity. Jesus referred to that in a passage I mentioned a moment ago. When he talked about a straight gate, a narrow way, a wide gate, a broad way, and two destinations, one life and the other death. And he said that one of the reasons that so many are unwilling to take the narrow way is because such crowds are going the other way. Now you read it carefully, you'll notice that he says... Few there be that go in there at four. Wide is the gate, broad is the way. The crowds are thronging this direction. And again and again, life is proving the truth of Jesus' statement that many people choose just because of the crowd. You look around, nobody's going this way. I'll be alone. I'll have to stand by myself. Nobody else is taking this way. Well, that isn't true in the first place. It is true there are many, many more going the other way. Don't make the decision just simply on the basis of the crowd that's going that direction. Oh, there are other pressures that we might note. I don't want to take time with them. I only want to stress again the fact that as you make decisions tonight and tomorrow and next year and the years to come, make those decisions in the light of eternity. Don't let yourself be swayed by any of the pressures of this world or any of the attractions this world has to offer, but make your choices in the light of eternity. Let this be a commencement that will finally issue in a destination that will be eternal and will be glorious. I remember a, just, a, just two or three lines from a song 
I haven't heard it sung very often in a number of years, but it used to be sung fairly often as a special song. And from it I lift just these words, words of prayer. Banish our worldliness. Help us to ever live with eternity's values in view. That's what I'd like to say to you tonight. For my last words to you, as you step out to commence another stage in life, may I urge you, live with eternity's values in view. Thank you for listening to Convention Pulpit, a ministry of Interchurch Holiness Convention, featuring Wesleyan voices past and present. For more sermons or for more information, visit www.ihconvention.com. This ministry is made possible through the financial support of our listeners. You may give online at ihconvention.com or send your donation to IHC, Post Office Box 99, New Berlin, Pennsylvania, 17855 USA. Time has been passed, I don't want to lose the fire.